Hey, good evening. Uh, welcome to episode two of our third season of Deliberate Conversations on Addictions. Though we did have a side a conversation about is this really season three, but I say that it is, so it is. So there. Um, Bob yeah. has spoken. Yeah. yeah. So, But I, I do want to welcome you guys and ladies back again uh, for this. Uh, and as we said at the first episode, this is really an important topic. Uh, it affects all of us. Uh, some in, in more degree than others, but it does affect all of us, whether it's people that are in our immediate family, community groups within our church, neighbors, people that we come in contact with. This is something that's, that's all around us is addictive behavior. And so, uh, I'm going to ask Phil to go ahead and start this, uh, episode off in a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. Father, we're grateful for this opportunity to talk about these things, sometimes difficult things, Mm -hmm. um, especially as we see them cropping up in our own lives or in the lives of those they love. I pray you would give us wisdom as we speak to these issues um, and that we would have compassion and love for those who struggle with a sin that doesn't take no for an answer. We ask you to um, just be with us now and that this would be a fruitful time for all those who are listening. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Phil. Um, so as I mentioned in our first um, episode, uh, first episode was uh, basically the 30,000 foot overview of addictions. And we're working off of, it's a long definition, but I think it's very good uh, from Ed Welch. Addiction is bondage to the rule of a substance, activity, or state of mind, which then becomes the center of life, defending itself from the truth so that even bad consequences don't bring repentance and leading to further estrangement from God. So I think that's a very good working definition that we're going to use throughout uh, the remainder of our, our episodes on this. But as I mentioned uh, last week, this the second episode is going to be kind of, we went from, you know, here's what we're working with, with addictions and definitions and things like that, what to look for. Uh, now we're going to look at it uh, more on what I would call like body life type things. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, whether it's in community group or people that you sit near it during worship or people that you have contact with. Uh, episode three and four is going to really hone in on the spousal relationship, relationship with kids, uh, the family stuff. And so this is just backing it up just a little bit. Uh, and now we're going to begin going through the questions that have actually been submitted uh, from those who have submitted questions. And again, thank you so much. Uh, this has been so helpful for us to help steer uh, the conversation in the, in the direction we need to go. So I'm just going to go ahead and start off uh, with the very first question. Uh, it says, as pornography, drug use, Toxic entertainment and other addictions seem to be increasingly normal and acceptable in our culture. How can we as the church better equip believers to discuss and deal with these issues? Wow. Good question. What is toxic entertainment? Can I throw that That's out there? Because I may not, I'm not familiar, I'm not sure what we're talking about, and I also make sure our audience is. Uh, here's my definition of toxic entertainment. You guys feel free to, toxic entertainment to me is what we talked about last time. Your smartphone, 
social media okay. where it's it's not necessarily that the that platform itself but it's toxic because you just you can't put your phone down gotcha. uh every time you get a chirp or every time it vibrates you've got to see what that is and i mean we can broaden that if you want but no I think, no that's fine i was just okay i think the entertainment yeah. part brings in the idea of maybe binge watching television yes. uh maybe mm, maybe even good. watching the type of things that are not edifying you know or not positive mm. um you know for for our spiritual walk yeah yeah Okay. Cool. Thank you for asking. Yeah, good question. question. Good question. (laughs) I just wanted to be sure. So, going back to the question, how can we as the church better equip believers to discuss, which I think is important, and deal with these issues? I would say number one thing we do is expect them to occur. Don't walk around mm. and, and assume that these things don't happen or won't happen. Um, they do happen. The churches, uh, although we have the Holy Spirit and we have Christ, we also still struggle with sin because we haven't been perfected yet. So assume that yeah. these things will happen in your family, in your community group, uh, in the church, mm. uh, in, our, in our, our own assembly, and in the church at large. Um, we are not immune to these things, so I think you have to be on the lookout for that and and be inviting for uh, for those conversations um, and be transparent about your own struggles as right. well. Well, that's what yeah. I was going to say. Let's go a step further and say let's not pretend like we don't struggle with these right. issues. You know what I'm Absolutely. saying? Because it's, it's so easy for us to come into a church on Sunday morning oh, yeah. and pretend like this. I'm going to put on my best face. Everything's good in my life. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. How are you? When reality is, I'm struggling with so many things, and, mm-hmm. uh, and that's why it's so for me it's so important to be invested in a community group somewhere mm-hmm. that you can share struggles with, and, and seeing mm-hmm. people share their struggles and, and people praying for them. And our community group has been so enlightening and, and um, helpful. Yeah, because right? you know I don't feel threatened. I don't feel like I have to put on the show. I can share truly what is the struggle in my life right now, mm. and so. I think the step number one is we got to pretend like we don't struggle with these issues as well right. and, and casting stones at people who do openly. Mm. Right, right. And I think going along with this, kind of touching on what both of you said, I think it's important for us when it does come up, don't act like you're shocked. You know, um, don't when somebody, you know, all of a sudden God works in their heart, praise God that they want to share something. And then it's like, oh. You know, don't be so horrified because, but by the grace of God, that's me. Uh, and, no, and you know, we all struggle. Um, it's just the area that we struggle with is different from the area that Phil struggles with, with, you know, like Phil and I. But let's, let's don't be shocked uh, when people do bring these things up. Like you said, don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. Expect it to actually happen if we're doing community together. The church is uh, a hospital for sinners. That's what it should be anyway. Mm. You know, it should be a place where we can all come and recognize that we're in the same boat and we struggle with the same types of things. We're, yeah, we're all broken and <laughs> we're, yeah. we're, we're all coming to Jesus for the same kind of redemption and healing. Like it's, it's not that you're worse than me, I'm worse than you. It's we're, we're all coming to Jesus for the same thing. It, it's true that there are different consequences, right? You know, uh, yeah. to, to, to all sin, but to addiction. Some addictions are extremely consequential and they can mm-hmm. be physically, you know, devastating. And others are socially acceptable. Um, now, how it affects us spiritually is is the same, you know. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because I was thinking about you know, like binge watching. 
You're binge watching something. It's a joke and, almost. Well, it's yeah. a joke, yeah, because you sit down and you're talking to your friends, you know, over coffee or whatever, and oh yeah, well, I've watched seven episodes of whatever, you know, last night, and so you you laugh that off, mm. but they keep doing the same thing over and over again. Well, all of a sudden, it's not so funny anymore. That's well, what what are they not doing? Yes, that exactly. Time? <laughs> what exactly. Are they putting off or giving up, right? Hmm. Any other comments on that about how we can better equip believers to discuss and then deal with these well, things? Well, I think number one, like we said, is first you got to recognize that you struggle with mm. this too. It's mm-hmm. not just a another person issue; it's your it's your issue. And then secondly, I think is going back to you know what we talked about at our first deliberate conversation or whatever, or the, whichever one you want to call it, when we were talking about our identity in Christ, right? Yes. I mean, we've got yeah. to keep pushing back to that mm. because, like we said last week, I mean, idolatry. You know, is is the root of a lot of this. You know, we 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 place something on a pedestal other than Christ, and and so when we do that, we we've got to remind ourselves. That's like Phil said last week. You know, we have to be, we're always worshiping something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got to turn, we got to tune that in and help people see that that's where we need to be, and and and, and gracefully, gently push them there. I guess. Mm-hmm. And, that's and that's good. That's good. Yeah, it, it, intentionally reminding each other of identity in Christ and living living in that reality, which it is a reality. It's um, it's it's easy to think of our position in Christ as an abstract kind of distant thing, but when when you look at the gospel and creation and what God has designed for human beings it's like we enter into the gospel and believe the gospel and we've we've entered into a relationship with christ that has that has essentially should claim preeminence in our minds it's it's a beautiful thing we have been redeemed we've been as as you talked about with um the the kids catechism recently is that reconciliation of we were once separated from god but now we've been brought close we've that that relationship has been renewed because of christ that's that's not an abstract thought that's that's a reality that's Mm. something that we need to to actually recognize each and every day and and live in that and that that's a beautiful thought Mm. I think we also remember we have resources, too, that we can turn to. You know, we've recommended some books and some different resources that we have out um, in the lobby of the church. But we have to also remember that um, I think the church has been guilty over the years of farming out this problem out into the culture and into the world. And we realize the culture is not dealing with it any better than we are. We have, we have the gospel. We have, we have the words of Christ that, that speak directly into the heart of these things. And, um, we have to be careful, not just to farm someone out to something that that's not a a true and complete answer. Mm. Mm. True. True. That's very good. Yeah. Farming it out to someone who may not have an actual grasp on the gospel is is dangerous someone who has maybe in in the eyes of the world um a good grasp at least linguistically on the issue and can talk their way through an issue but if if it excludes the gospel then yeah that's that's a huge detriment to their Mm -hmm. their actual interpretation of the Mm -hmm. issue so 
obviously community is important mm-hmm. uh, to be able to work and do life together and and in reality as brothers and sisters in Christ we we really can't apart from each other uh, we are going to end up on the ash heap of just disaster if we're not in community to be able to work these things out and so I think you were exactly right I mean that's the key being in community that's what allows the atmosphere for us to be able to equip each other to encourage each other to discuss and deal with these things uh, doing it in, in community all right second question uh, first of all sentence then the question it says people struggle with addiction uh, people struggling with addiction excuse me often hesitate to seek help due to shame how can we speak clearly about the danger of certain sins while still be welcoming for those who need help with sin I think, again, this is an old statement we hear all the time, separating the sin from the sinner. You know, um, we can, we can, we can, because shame is how you feel about something. Guilt is uh, basically a legal situation. You're guilty or you're innocent. But shame is something that's piled on top of that. And shame is something that speaks to you, who you are as a person. And if you have Christ um, in your life, you do not have to live in shame. So I think that's Amen. one of the best places to go. Mm. Um, you know, just take them there, take them to the gospel. You are you are doing some very poor behavior, yes, but that's something we can work on. But if you're in Christ, you are not. Um, you do not have to walk in shame. I think a lot of times we mm. walk in shame because we think we're the only ones who hmm. are dealing with this issue, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, I know for me, like before cross life that would that would have been my excuse i'm like i don't feel like i can share because i'm the only one struggling with this mm-hmm. but then when we get involved and we realize hey we're all human we're all struggling with something it might not be the exact same thing but i can yeah i can i can do that i think so i think the church has to be vulnerable um and willing to and, and that's why again going back to community Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I feel like that's why that is so vital because I, you can build that trust in the community, whether it's in a small group or wherever you're developing community at. There's the opportunity to um, to develop a trust where you can speak openly about that stuff. As, and you've got to create that atmosphere there. I, that's one of the things I do love about my small group. I mean, so people, so many people are willing to share their struggles and, 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 and their and their walk. And it's a safe place. You know, I know if I share anything that it's not getting around and people are going to be gossiping about it. It stays in our community group and we're asking each other about it. How are you doing? How, how's that going? Yeah. And, and we're able to have those conversations that we need mm-hmm. to have. And it's a place where you can do that because we've all realized, Hey, w- we all suck at life sometimes and we, we need help from each other. Here, yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, that that's huge. Just realizing that your, your own individual struggle is most definitely not relegated to just you it's it's the human experiences we all we all struggle with things like we we've talked about in our in our previous episode of um the heart being a factory of idols is we we're created to worship Mm -hmm. and it's essentially what what is it that we're going to worship and we have we have a plethora of of things to choose from so um my struggle to worship my time alone. Like I'm, I'm an introvert. I love my time alone. Ask my wife. I, I love 
after a long, hard day at work, after I've interacted with a million and a half mm. people, I love to just shut down and just be alone. So this is That's difficult for you right now. <laughs> no, a little bit. So the three of you is really stressing me out right now. <laughs> but um, uh, th that time alone is really cool. Um, I, I love that. That's refreshing for me. But th that may not be the best thing for me. Mm. In the moment, it it may feel like the best thing for me on a day to day basis, but that that may not be the best thing for me as a person, and especially considering the people around me. Like I have a wife and two children, and for me to just seclude myself, that does not make sense as far as a healthy relationship with myself and them. That's if I exclude myself then a relationship is mm -hmm. basically non-existent. So, um, yeah, dealing with the shame, it's that struggle is there for, for every one of us. It's, it's a passion for something that may be beneficial for us. Maybe, uh, maybe it's an idea that, um, uh, we can have refreshment in something, um, but you you have to consider the people around you. Mm -hmm. You have to consider um, what your actions have on the people around you, and and ultimately, lo long term, what it has as an effect on yourself. Um, it'll 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 reveal itself to be sure. either a beneficial, either a beneficial thing or a non beneficial mm -hmm. thing. And I think I mean you look back at our original parents. All right, so they sinned. What was their very first response? It was shame. shame. They hid. Yeah. They covered themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, they were, you know, utterly devastated and embarrassed about what they did. And so in the realm of shame, I think it's so important within community, because, again, I agree with Frankie, community, community, community. But within that, it's got to be the gospel, the gospel, right. the gospel, the gospel, God's grace, God's grace, God's grace. I'm not saying that we ignore sin mm -hmm. or we don't belittle sin. We don't address it. Mm -hmm. But for the person uh, who is struggling with that, they need to know that Jesus Christ took their shame. He took that to the cross. It was nailed to the cross. Yes. It was paid for. And so, again, to get people to work through that, it's just got to be the gospel, the gospel, the gospel constantly. Uh, being communicated and lived out so that they uh, can be freed from that shame. I, I'm the personality type that, you know, I, I would struggle. I struggle with shame uh, when I have to confess sin to Christy, you know, when I reacted uh, poorly or whatever. I mean, that I feel shame over that. And so I, I know there are a number of people that struggle with that, but I, for myself, everybody else has got to be reminded ourselves of the gospel of christ well i think shame energizes that deceit we were talking about before oh, you know and yeah. I, I know that uh, this, the addictions that i've struggled struggled with was substance abuse in the past and um I, I know that if debbie would ever ask me and say hey are you possibly struggling with that again the shame that would well up inside of me if it were true at the moment you know would well up within me and it would cause me to want to to deny and mm. that was and that was always part of it. That's another denial is another part of that that uh, deceit that comes along with addiction. Um, you know, and, and I can remember, you know, not wanting to admit to it. Um, shame will shame will uh, 
really block us off not only from our loved ones but even from God you know we mm. uh, I, I can remember times that I would uh, I would try to make a halting attempt to cease in my addiction and but I felt like I couldn't approach God yet I had mm. to, a certain amount of time had to go yeah. by before I could approach God and and uh, mm. and and be reconciled to him it was almost like I had to do penance or something like that that's not the God we serve mm. you know it's, we don't have to live in that shame it's like some somehow in your mind you think and, and I'm saying this because I've I've kind of experienced this as well, but somehow you think that over time God forgets <laughs> what you've actually done. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, so because he's I'm, busy working on Bob, he's forgotten <laughs> yeah. about Phil. But that that does that doesn't make sense on his face because it's God is all knowing. He he obviously remembers what uh, he's. Because of Christ, he's not holding it against you, but he obviously remembers what you did and what what I've done. And that sin is that that I feel is keeping me from him. He's he's standing there and saying, yeah, I know what you did. Still, still, you're my child. Come on. Let's let's have a conversation. Let's. We feel like he's absent. I, I know that I, I would feel like in those oh, moments, yeah. I would feel mm. like God wasn't there. Yeah. And that's not true. Yeah. It's just that my blindness, my deceit, my, my sinfulness has a lot. Yeah, I, don't, I can't see him even though he's right there. You mm-hmm. know? Well, I think you, you had a good point. Like, as you talked about, like, if Debbie would bring it up to you. Mm-hmm. And so your instant reaction was shame. Because I think that that's our initial reaction, like, of our, of our parents. Like if, if I knew I was, I'd done something, I can think of some of these things that I've done in the past. My parents caught me and they're, they come down hard on me. And it's an instant shame that I feel because I've let down the family name or I've done something I shouldn't have done. But then we remember like what Steve just said, God's a good father. He's not like that. No, no. And so even though he knows exactly what you did. Exactly. Right. So we have to reconcile right. that he's not like our earthly parents. That's where he's, he's better than. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Right. Right. He say, knows. He knows we're dust, right? He yeah. knew what we were going to do <laughs> exactly. long that's before a, we ever and you did. Can't it. surprise him. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's right. That's a really good thought. There, he knows that he that we are dust. That's that's what, honestly one of my favorite um, yeah. texts from yeah. Scripture is. He remembers that we are dust. Mm-hmm. Is he knows exactly who we are. He knows exactly what we can live up to. Like we struggle. We fight addiction. We fight sin. He knows exactly what we can perform to, what level we can perform to, and he loves us anyway. That Amen. does not make sense to me. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's it's awesome. Well, and he he allowed the addiction in our lives, even though God doesn't cause us to sin. God uses the sin of, in our lives sinlessly to actually grow mm. us and break down. Yeah. Break down. It's, mm. it's. We all know we grow in suffering much better than we do in in times that are, uh, you know, good times. You know, we 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 tend to no, not turn to God unless there is a struggle or pain in our lives, and mm. and God will use the pain of addiction to bring people to Himself. Mm. All right. <laughs> Next, when someone. With an addiction, keeps and this is really hard. I think this is a great question, but this is hard for us. When someone with an addiction keeps stumbling, how can we determine whether they need to give themselves grace in the struggle uh, to get freed from the addiction, or whether they are using grace as an excuse to continue in their addiction without true repentance? In other words, they keep stumbling, and 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 it's like. 
come on, like kind of get with the program. They keep stumbling. When are when? Where is that fine line of continuing to extend them grace, as opposed to confronting them? No, you truly haven't repented. Uh, you're using grace as a cover to continue to keep on stumbling, but there's no real fruit or signs of repentance. How do we handle that? Um, just off the bat, I think there's there's really no hard and fast answer to that. Now, mm-hmm. you're you're talking about an individual and and how they struggle. We are all individual human beings. We are all going to struggle in completely different ways. So, um, saying one person stumbles in this area and in this manner and the next person does the same exact thing it's probably for totally different reasons there's probably totally different um backgrounds involved in that so and i think it's it's folly to to try to create an answer to that that covers all the bases it it really in my opinion and my opinion is limited i'll grant you that (laughs) but in my opinion um, it's it's a case by case basis, and you you really have to just know the person that you're dealing with, mm. and strive at as best you can to have an open and honest conversation, and uh, not not just a one one off conversation, like a a continuing conversation with the person of what's going on, of like what are you struggling with what are your what are your fears what are your anxieties what are you just it's it's not going to be a cut and dry answer for any one person i think you were spot on because i think the whole thing is like if somebody let's say somebody's addicted to you know alcohol and and they and they come you know they get help and you know they may be clean and they could be clean for 10 years and it's just one small thing to set it off and all of a sudden yeah there's a spiral and so I mean, so yeah, they look good for ten years, but ultimately they're still. I mean, once you're an addict, you're always an addict. Um, yeah, essentially. You know, and so the idea then was is to have continue having those tough conversations, which we talked about last week. You know, have those tough conversations with your friends that if in your community who who has shared with you, hey, I'm struggling with pornography. I'm sh- I'm struggling with drugs. I'm struggling with this. Continue having those. Okay, where's your struggle at? How can I help you? How can I help lead you through that? I mean, and, and just you know, periodically checking in on them. How are, how are you doing? And don't for, don't just leave them hanging in the wind to their own devices, you know. And and hopefully they're checking in on you as well as you're as you're sharing your struggles. True. And and understanding that it's going to look different for every mm-hmm. single person that mm-hmm. you interact with. Exactly, it's, it's not going to be a cookie cutter situation. Exactly. I think you you uh, you know the question here talked about when do you show grace and then and, and when is somebody taking advantage of the grace that you're showing you always show grace you don't stop showing grace mm. but you don't allow grace to be an opportunity for enablement exactly. so you don't you you when you get to a point where someone continues in the same sense I remember times I would wake up in the morning and say I am not going to do that again tonight and I have a feeling if you would hook me up to a lie detector it would have showed that I was telling the truth and yet that evening I would fall again. Right. Um, so mm. I, I think that we have to remember that they may honestly believe that they are not going to do it again, and they may be praying with all their might, but they just don't have 
they haven't come to that point where enough has built up, whether it's, I, you know, it, it's very intangible. Like you said, it's different from different people right. for them to make that change, for them to hit their bottom or whatever you want to call it, you know, and, and be able to, um, to, to make that. So sometimes you just have to put um, uh, barriers and uh, um, what's the word they they always use where you put up a yeah accountability or whatever boundaries boundaries yeah. thank you that's what so you put up a boundary and when they cross the boundary there's a consequence so okay you said you're not going to drink anymore um, and you drank again all right so we're going to I'm going to give you one more chance you drank you can con- continue doing that or you can have a specific boundary where you say okay we're going to go down to the hospital and check you into detox if this happens again, or we're going to get, or you're going to check into a, uh, you know, a program or whatever, uh, whatever it takes for that particular individual. Mm. Not everyone needs to go into a program, but, yeah. sure. but you know, we need, we need to have that boundary that they agree to ahead of time, you know? Um, so anyway, that's just one possibility. Uh, mm. Again, it's, it, there's mm-hmm. no one size fits all, like there's yeah. no one addiction for all people. True. Any other comments on that one? That was very good. Very good. All right. Last. How can we help someone struggling with addiction if they are determined to keep it a secret? Do we have an obligation to keep their secret for them? And at what point do we need to practice Matthew 18 principle of confronting them and then going down that pathway and involve others in the restoration process for their sake and the sake of those affected? Um, so if they're determined to keep it a secret, although I, it's kind of hard question, it's kind of hard because y- you won't know about it if they're determined to keep right. a secret in one sense. But let's say that they have shared it with you, but they're they they just they're not wanting to share it with anybody else in the community group or whatever or with elders or whatever, and they're determined that they don't want it to be brought out. But you have love and concern for them. Where do you where do you get to that point where no, I've got to share this with other people because it's it's endangering you, it's endangering your family, and I'm not talking necessarily physically. I mean, it could be emotionally, spiritually, whatever. Where do we cross that bridge? Say no, I I can't. You know, we'll use the Catholic thing. Say I'm the priest and they've confessed something to me. Where would you cross that point? Of where so you've talking, got to. So we're talking about somebody who's a believer, right? Yes. Who, who yes. Of somebody who is a believer. And the, yes. And is a member of a church. Yes. I mean, so I think that's where you start is, you know, you have those conversations with them. And if they're realizing that it's sin and they're confessing as a sin, but they have no interest in repenting of it or stepping away from it, you know, then I, I mean, I think it's clear. I mean, we have mm-hmm. to, I mean, for their, for, for their own protection, for their, I mean, for our, I mean, we're called to shepherd. I mean, we're, we're held accountable for it. Um, so I, I think you have to go and take it to that next step and talk. Hey, let's go talk to Bob about this, or let's go talk to Phil, or let's go talk mm-hmm. to Steve, and and, and have mm-hmm. a conversation. Start up a conversation because you know at some point we're held accountable. So there has to be church discipline at some point if if they're trying to keep this sure. a secret and they're uh-huh. not and they're and they're wanting to continue in this lifestyle. Hmm. I I think. The the more important question there is: Do we have an obligation to keep their secret for them? No, you you do not have an obligation <laughs> right. to keep a secret for if somebody. If you don't love them, then you do. It's, but if you love them, you don't have an obligation. It seems like counterintuitive. Yeah, that's true. But the, it is the yeah. only the only drawback or, or the only caution there is gossip. Mm. Right. So of course, yeah. Don't don't gossip about it. Right. But if it's an actual issue, then. 
No, there's no biblical there's no biblical foundation for maintaining a secret for someone who is harboring a personal sin. Um, and then that once once dealing with that, it's an easy move on to the next Matthew 18 principle where mm-hmm. you, you go confront that person. If they don't listen, you bring a couple people with you who have observed the same thing and you you talk about it then. If they don't hear you, then you go to the elders and you finish the process out that way. But um, no, you're not obligated to keep a secret for some for yeah, somebody. I think um, in addictions, I would say the person who is struggling with addiction can be very manipulative, and this mm-hmm. could be a manipulation yep, yes, move. Yes. Hey, please, please don't tell anybody. You know, I'm right. struggling with this. Keep it a secret for me, you know, to to help me out. And so they're just manipulating you, just like they're manipulating everybody else Correct. around them, Correct. so they can continue in their addiction. I have personal experience with this. We were, attended a church for years and years that was very conservative and was uh, did not did not um, uh, suffer well people struggling. You you mm. could have struggled in the past. That was okay, but current strugglers <laughs> were not really welcome there, and um, it was very hard. And I That's know uh, my wife struggled very much to go to people for help because she was afraid that it would it would look bad and that our, our children would be affected because other parents would not let their kids play with my kids you know because of the addiction in my life and and that was a it was a really big struggle for us yeah. um and i would like to just say if there is someone in the church who asked this question if there's someone keeping a secret from from the church please don't there's no reason to we understand we've been there we know what it's like we in some ways are currently there you know and so um yeah. you know if there's someone out there that is uh, keeping a secret I promise you it will come into light eventually. Um, it's better to bring it into the light yourself and, and allow grace to, to rain down. Mm. That, that kind of goes back to the topic of shame, right. where like we, we feel shame in bringing something forward. It's like, I struggle with this, and I don't want to bring it forward because I'm gonna, your kids won't play with my kids or whatever. Like That's, <laughs> that's such a stupid reason to keep sin hidden. Um, but we do like stupid things all the time. No. You didn't go to the church I went to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm true. <laughs> Actually, true. there are some wonderful it's loving still people there. True. It's <laughs> still a stupid reason. Yeah, that's um, right. But we're, we're we're acting as if um if if we're held down by the shame of whatever we've done, of whatever addiction we have, if we're held down and restrained by the shame of that, then we're elevating the value of that sin above mm. the grace of Christ. Mm. So oh, yeah. just just understand that th- that's what's happening. That's if, powerful. Yeah. If we're submitting to mm-hmm. the shame, we're elevating the power of what sin we have committed above the grace of Christ, mm. and and that doesn't make sense on any kind of logical level. So we're actually we're actually placing ourselves above God because we're saying this is a sin God can't forgive, or this is something that God won't won't um help me mm. work through so mm. we're we're actually elevating ourselves above him wow. and sitting in judgment on god he said you're forgiven he said that you can you can make it through this he said he will help you you know and we're saying no no that it doesn't work that way you know that's a good point you know yeah. mm. Mm. i like that a lot i mean it, it, again it kind of it goes back to frankie's about community now Confessing sin in front of other brothers and sisters of Christ, that is the hardest thing on the planet for really anybody to do. It doesn't matter who you are. You don't want to admit 
that you screwed up again and you, you have stumbled a reputation here to protect. Or, yes, I mean, exactly. Um, and, and so we, we naturally, as human beings, <laughs> we don't want to do that. But again, when it's the the gospel of grace, what Jesus Christ has done for us, and we're we're living that out in community. Lord willing, that allows that platform or the atmosphere for people where we don't have to go through uh, Matthew 18. Now, you'll have to do that with somebody who has a hard heart hmm. and does not want to yield and give in, does not want to repent of their sin. But we shouldn't have to go through Matthew 18 because somebody just can't feel like they can share that in uh, the community of believers known as Cross Life. Uh, and as Phil said, I mean, throughout this whole thing, if anybody's struggling with anything, please uh, see us. Uh, no judgment. Uh, we're all there with you. We're all in the same boat. None of us are any different than anybody else. We're all uh, redeemed sinners bought by the blood of Christ. And so that's our commonality, and that's how we work uh, through life together. Any other comments on, on any of these that we touched on tonight? Uh, again, looking at it more of in uh, a church context. Uh, just one one thought, maybe less from the perspective of an addict to the perspective of the church and how we we actually interact with people who struggle with addictions or any kind of sin of any sort is I, th- I think we we really need to understand the grace that God has given us in Christ. And like we, we talk about shame and how people struggle in coming or how people struggle in being honest about their addictions or about their sin struggles because of the aspect of shame. So we as a church, I think need to be more, um, more in tune with the grace of the gospel Hmm. that actually forgives those sins. Hmm. And, and when, when someone comes to us and says, Hey, I'm struggling with X, Y, Z, whatever it is, doesn't matter if however minimal it is, however extreme it is, we don't come down on that person and say, well, you're a terrible person because you've struggled with this. Well, that's that's not that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. So I think us just understanding better the gospel, not so much how it applies to us. Mm-hmm. We've been forgiven. Great. So and so over there oh, has yeah. also been forgiven. Mm. Um, if if they've believed and accepted the gospel, then that sin is also forgiven. So within the church, within the body of believers. Um, having a brother or a sister come to you and say, Hey, I'm really struggling in this area, putting aside for, for the believer. It's essential for us to put aside that judgmental aspect that Mm -hmm. says, well, ultimately says that you're a lesser Christian because you struggle with this. I don't struggle with this because I don't. Yeah, whatever. whatever. (laughs) No, you're on the same level. You have the same propensity to struggle with whatever sin it is. But just understanding that we all struggle with the same Mm. afflictions. We all struggle with the same temptations. It may look different, but we all want to serve ourselves as opposed to uh, Christ or others, we we're all selfish at heart, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but we're all selfish. We're all prideful. We all. Oh, not me. Oh, not me. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Great. Uh, whoops. Cut. Let's least, start over. Yeah, talk about being open and honest and living yeah. in grace. At least we all know where we stand right now. Yeah. So we're, we're all selfish. We're all prideful. And yes. it's like, yeah. if someone comes and confesses a sin to you, just understand that you are immensely capable of committing the same sin so mm. just receiving receiving that confession with grace and mm. if uh, like just an endorsement for the church just have grace with people who who struggle because we we all do mm-hmm. well i think even adding to that um mm. you know if somebody does come to us and they're they're confessing whatever addictive behavior that may be it, it should be a very great reminder to us that we examine our own hearts first before we even, you know, want to say anything to them. It should be a great reminder to us that we're examining our own hearts. Like you said, um, I may not struggle with that, but yeah, God, you've just reminded yeah. me that I do struggle with this. And so I am no different than Steve or Phil or Frankie or whatever. And I think use those as good opportunities to do some self-examination as well. Uh, of your own heart when you're dealing with people who are struggling with that that yeah i think if if you ever come in contact with someone who's struggling or someone who has a a loved one who's struggling you know look for the commonalities in Mm. your own heart look look for how even though it may be a completely different sin look for the fact that hey i too turn my eyes off of god and seek other things it could be gossip it could be it could be a good you know one of those good things that looks good but it but you you know it's taken your life away you know that Mm. that's we have to look for how we have something in common with them because we do it Mm. it is there you you talk about good things and and i in my mind think back what six seven years ago to california and where sarah and i were and like i was i was preeminently focused on making the church situation work for me and my family which I think that's a good, good thing. thing. Yeah. I, I I wanted the gospel to succeed in that, except in my focus on that, I kind of forgot like the people that are um, most important to me or the people that God has um, put in my life as most important. And that's, that's the family. So y- your addiction doesn't have to be something that's essentially bad. Right. Like we we often categorize addictions as something that's essentially categorically bad, but it could be a very good thing in your life that you're pursuing just to an unhealthy level if you if you right. tone it down and put everything in perspective and your priorities maybe are in line, that's a good thing, but if your priorities are of something of lesser value is reigning over all of that then that's immensely unhealthy for mm. your relationship for well for anything really for your for your own well-being for your family relationships relationships for your uh a spiritual relationship it's mm-hmm. it's detrimental God, I, I think if you look at that list of addictions that he puts in this book about 30% of them are good things, you know, uh, um, exercise, um, hmm. work, um, sports, um, 
food. I mean, that's not something you're going to eliminate from your life, right? You're not going well, to eliminate sure. it's, sure. it. But what you're finding is the unhealthy addiction to these things where I mean, some of them are, are not good. You know, they're, they're things you should avoid 100% totally. Um, and uh, But that's what we have to recognize that it doesn't matter what the thing is. It's the commonality of it has become, it has taken ownership in our life. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think all, I mean, most of all that has purpose. To, I don't know. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, I, there's there's a couple things in there. That probably, right. Well, I mean, yeah. I think I think it's because they're been mishandled. Like right. you know, God, like I mean, no, even I with I mean, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying like pornography is bad. Sex is not yeah, bad. Yeah, that's yeah, right. right. You know, right. God yeah. gave us yeah. God gave right. us that's, sex as a that's gift a good and that, that we should yeah. enjoy. Right. Yes, pornography is something that's bad, so we perverted it. Yeah, even you know, a little like, bit of pornography I mean, is bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so just like so, a lot of that stuff, pornography being the extreme, like. I guess what I guess what I'm saying is like the the sex is is a, is a good thing. Yes, pornography right. is a bad thing. Right, where we've perverted we've perverted sex. I mean, like so drugs for the most part. A lot of drugs are good. I mean, you're you're pharmacist, right? So a lot of drugs are good things. Even cocaine was like <laughs> now used is for, a great time to bring that up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying like like even cocaine. There's initial intentions behind it. Right. It was, oh, yeah. it was a good drug. Oh, like I mean, it helped a lot of people. And, it's still used and, and, medically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But so the, it's the misuse of it. It's the right. mis. It's right. the mishandling right. of it. Mm, you know. Right. And so, right. I mean, to understand like all these things are, that started off with good intentions. Right. Right. Um, I think, and so yeah, that's and where again, with the the thing is, it, all those good things when they become controlling things, that's when it's gone thing. over yeah. the edge. It's now a bad thing, mm-hmm. and and you know we've taken what God has created for our good or for our enjoyment. We've now allowed it to control us to the point that that's what is our functional God at that point, right. rather than right. right. God it's himself. it's become ultimate. Yes, you know, as as opposed mm. to God, yeah. mm. we're worshiping mm. the creation instead of the Creator. Exactly. Right. Back to Romans one yeah. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I read that somewhere. Yeah, yeah. somewhere, <laughs> somewhere like the Bible. Somewhere. The Bible, like in Romans one. All right. Any other closing that, comments? That sums it up quite well. Worsh- worshiping the creation rather than the, the Creator. That's absolutely which is it. it's yeah. true. Yeah. Where to go, Frankie? On that that sound Great note to end it. That sound theological <laughs> note. I am going to, just as a reminder to us, because I've got it on my sheet from the first episode as a must-remember. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13 again uh, to keep this in mind uh, with ourselves and with those we're dealing with. So 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable. And does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And so we've just got to keep that in the forefront of our minds uh, in dealing with whether we're the person struggling with addictive behavior or we're struggling alongside that person. Uh, with the addictive behavior. So, Steve, would you close our time with a word of prayer? Yeah. Father, we thank you for, um, first of all, the gift of the gospel and the gift of Jesus mm. as um, as our Redeemer, paying a debt that we could not pay, um, using that payment to bring us into a relationship that we do not deserve on on any level there's there's no amount of good works that we could do 
to um, earn us that place with you in in heaven, that that place with you in in that awesome relationship. So, Father, we thank you for Christ. We thank you for mm. the gospel. Um, I thank you for your word that gives us um, a glimpse into who you are, a glimpse into what you have designed the church to be. Um, and Father, I ask that you would help um, us as church leaders, as as husbands, as fathers, to lead our church, our family, um, our spouses mm. well as we as we try to uh, live out the gospel in our everyday lives. Um, Father, more specifically tonight, as we discuss the issue of addictions, as we discuss um, what addiction looks like as, as far as it impacts those around us, um, we ask that our conversation would be beneficial to those that hear. We ask that... Uh, if there are those listening that struggle with addiction, that um, they would they would have the courage and the fortitude to to come forward and to confess mm. that, and and Father, for us as church leaders, as for us as the church, that we would be grace filled in in hearing that. Um, that anyone who comes to us that confesses open sin or hidden sin or, or addiction or whatever it is, Father, that we would, we would hear that and immediately filter that through the gospel that we know that someone who comes and confesses to you, as you have promised that someone who comes confesses to you, they will be forgiven. Mm. Um, Father, we ask that you would help us to have that spirit um, no matter what the situation. So, mm. um, Father, we, we ultimately ask that tonight's conversation would honor and glorify you, that you would um, you would be glorified above all else, and that our lives would be changed more into the image of Christ. So we love you. It's in Jesus' name because of him. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys, thank you very much. Love you guys deeply. This is a great group to serve with. And uh, tune in next week for uh, episode three as we delve in a little bit deeper uh, and answering some more of the questions that you guys have submitted uh, on the topic of addiction. So thank you very much. What was it? Peace and grace, y'all? Grace, grace and peace. Grace and peace, y'all. Right. Steve's got to say it then, not me. Grace and peace, y'all. Good night.